This is the Comstock Report podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. Welcome back to the Comstock Channel. My name is Brian Hendrickson. It is Friday, which means it is time for the weekly wrap-up, and Eric is back with us. Welcome, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brian. Kind of a, a busy day, even though the markets weren't that busy. So, Yes, busy day with cattle on feed, cold storage, hog and pig. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else I'm missing? Because <laughs> I feel like y'all had a list today. That, that was that was most of it. All at two o'clock, and of course that's after we can't trade it anymore, and then we have a long weekend, so we have the uh, the ability to trade this data uh, doesn't come around until eight thirty on Tuesday. So uh, a little rare occurrence here, but that'll give the market plenty of time to digest the data. I have not even had the chances we're recording this right at a little after two. I haven't even had the chance to look into the cold storage. So I did get the uh, cattle on feed and hog and pig numbers before we got on here. So we can talk about that a little bit. Um, otherwise, uh, you know, we've, we've got our normal recaps and we'll hope for a better week next week. All right, let's go ahead and get into it with corn. I decided to start with this <clears throat> because the March contract and the or the March 24 contract did make new contract lows this week. This is the daily chart here. Uh, you can see two days ago we made that low. That was a life of contract low, um, most likely by the by the way that the corn market is feeling right now. We're going to go check some December low levels. Um, maybe not the low at 4.47 that we saw here a little while back in the December, but maybe where the the December went off at 4.56 that that would be within reach. Something along those lines would be. Uh, worth considering, but you can see we're struggling and bigger picture, you know, you've been sideways since summer um, and, and just nothing to get this thing going. And most of that is, is due to uh, the, the large looming stocks and, and just not a lot to, to trigger any kind of rally. So exports have been going at a decent pace, uh, better than the USDA had expected, but we're seeing a little struggle in the ethanol margins. And you can see by this, that's put out by Iowa State, pretty real-time data that they put out. It's a really good indicator of what's going on on the ethanol side. Weakness in the energy complex has uh, taken away a lot of the profitability in the ethanol. And you can see we're, we're still running above a break even. They're still making money crushing corn for ethanol, but it's just nothing like what we saw over the past several months. So that has a, a little waning impact on the overall feel of the market. If we could get the energy prices higher, that, that would kind of boost morale and things would feel a little better. But uh, all in all, the corn's just heavy and, and we're seeing it from a lot of different uh, directions, I guess. Um, I, I already mentioned the big carryout numbers. Stocks to use ratio is at a level that we haven't seen since the teens. Um, and during that time frame, talking 2016, 17, 18, 19, uh, you had spring crop prices being set at 380 to $4. Uh, that, that should scare some folks when, especially when you've got a December corn board sitting at 505 today and we've been at 515 recently. So I, I'm not saying that we need to go out and sell the farm at $5, but I think it is worth considering some sales and getting something on the books as long as it's, you know, as long as it cash flows for your operation. But I think it is worth, worth considering and, you know, so what? What's going to trigger this thing? If if we continue to hear stories about troubles in Brazil, and <clears throat> I'll mention it again when we talk about soybeans, but Matthew just did an excellent job yesterday outlining what's going on down there right now and what we look for in the next year to two. But 
if they're on any kind of a, of a pace that resembles normal going into the safrina corn planting, there's going to be very little that can trigger this thing for a sharp rally, especially in the corn. So there are some things that could happen. They could stay dry in the north. They could stay wet in the south. We could see a lot of replant. We could see delays in the safrina planting. We could see continued dry winter here in the U.S. that leads into planting conditions that aren't so favorable. Maybe a market that pulls acres away from corn that would then boost values. So there are things out there that could trigger it, but right now they're going to be few and far between. All right, let's switch to soybean. Yeah. What kind of week did they have? Uh, down 16 on the week, finished the week under $13. That was something we really didn't want to see. We closed at $12.99 and three quarters. So not the end of the world. It's not like we were 15 cents under $13, but uh, not being able to rally a little bit further and get above that $13 mark, which is mostly psychological, then we've got we've got to rethink this a little bit. Um, but we are seeing exports lagging. Uh, unlike in the corn, we're not keeping pace in the beans like what the USDA had thought we would. Even though they were looking for a reduction, we're further behind than they thought we would be at this point. So we've got to get that uh, boosted. And hopefully the, the continued troubles down south will will bolster some strength here. And, and maybe the U.S. dollar will do it. And that's why I wanted to highlight this chart. We are at four months lows in the U.S. dollar. If we can get that just a little bit lower down to par or maybe or maybe below par, then we, we might be attracting some more uh, global business, maybe maybe increase some of these export sales and, and have something to work with that's a little better. Argentina is one of those kind of black clouds over the soybean market as well. And their production is going to be good, but they are not soybean exporters. They crush their beans, they export meal. So that's something that the trade has to account for a little better than I think they have. Yes, they can offset some of Brazil's lack of production, and we could still see a huge number come out of South America as a whole, uh, especially uh, if if Brazil does turn around and some of these rains are, are more beneficial than maybe we think they will be. Uh, they turn that around and then you get Argentina coming in with a good number and you could have a total production up above 200, you know, 202, 205, somewhere in that range. If that's the case, then we're priced right. Uh, but the domestic demand keeps uh, should keep the, the foot on the pedal here in the U.S., we had the highest daily crush rate on record last month. I don't look for that to change. We've got more plants coming online in the spring. So uh, there, there is a storyline to the beans that should be higher priced than what they are currently. But we, we just have to work through some of these issues and see how they're going to pan out a little better. Um, Pop-up rains continuing in Brazil. They are supposed to get some more set-in, sustained systems over the next several days. So we'll have to see if that plays out. Cattle, who had a report, cattle on feed come out today. Yeah. Was it a good way to end the week before a three-day weekend or not so? Not, it, I guess I would put it as uh, neutral to slightly bearish okay. as far as the cattle on feed itself goes. Cattle had a, a, what I would call a sustained week. They didn't really move the needle a whole lot. We'd had some strength in the last couple of weeks coming into this week. Um, cash trade was actually a little better this week, which is something we hadn't been able to say in a couple months now. Um, and so we did see we did see some improvements there. But I've been getting questioned repeatedly um, why why did the cattle fall so far? Why aren't we doing better? We've heard so much about the herd size falling and all this. And so I went and did a little digging and this is from the USDA, this data is. And, and just when I, when I went through and looked at the actual cattle import and export numbers, not the beef, but just the cattle, when you look at the 
higher imports, which is the first two highlighted data points there, you know, you're 306, 307,000 head more this year than last year, and that's January through October. And then you look at our exports, you're 35,000 less than last year. And then you do the math on that, that number of animals at a 930 pound average carcass, that's like 321 million pounds of beef just on the live animals. And that, and that's, you know, more beef retained in the U S whether it's through lack of exports or more imports. So that's a difference maker. And that has allowed the packers to kind of keep chain speeds slowed down a little bit, keep the box beef a little higher, not have to be out there aggressively pursuing the cash market on a week to week basis. And so I think that's one of the big explanations for what we're seeing this year. And granted, I mean, 321 million pounds of beef, that's not a ton of kill capacity or anything, but if it can slow things down just a little bit combined with all these other factors, then they don't have to be so aggressive in their pursuits for, for supply. So that's why I wanted to highlight that seasonal trend for cattle remains higher, um, into the first week of January. So we do have that to look forward to at least for another couple of weeks. Carcass weights are starting to back off just a touch. We had made records two weeks ago. Uh, last week we were down a, about a pound, pound and a half, and then we should see something similar this week. So if we can keep that trend going, that would be good. <clears throat> cattle on feed comes out at two o'clock today. Shows the on-feed numbers at 103 versus 102.2 estimated. So a little bigger than expected, which is slightly bearish. The place number was off a little. We didn't have the wide ranges that we've seen the last couple of months, but the placement numbers come in at 98% versus 96.2. That's going to be your most bearish number, and that's not horrible. That's why I say neutral to slightly bearish. It's not, it's not a killer, but it's not great. And then the marketings were at 93 versus an estimate of 93.2. So that's completely neutral, nothing there. All right, let's go over to hogs. Hog and pig report came out. But overall, did they have a, a decent week? I, I would say decent is a good way to describe it. They were down 55 cents on the week in the February contract, but that's not, that's not a killer. Uh, the cash market actually wasn't horrible. We had a couple of up days. I think they were trying to pre-buy some supply before the holiday weekend. So getting a little aggressive on the Monday, Tuesday timeframe where normally they wouldn't do that. Um, so we did see some signs of improvement there. Now, whether or not we can sustain it, that'll be the key because we do have two holiday weeks here that we've got to contend with. So, um, but yeah, hog and pig comes out and we've got all hogs and pigs at 100 versus estimates of 99.5. So pretty neutral there. Kept for breeding was 97 versus 98.8. .8. So there, there's going to be a hole in supply because we've talked about it. There's hog buildings for sale all over the country. So there are people getting out. So the, those kept back for breeding are going to be trimmed. So eventually that's going to happen. However, and I don't have the data on this, um, but I do know that there has been a lot more uh, live animal imports, particularly from Canada on the hog side than what we've seen in recent years. So that may be how the packers are throttling back their need to be aggressive in the cash market. And then kept for marketing was at 100 versus 99.5 estimated. So another neutral number there shouldn't be a big, big uh, market mover come Tuesday morning, uh, unless they really want to zero in on that kept for breeding number that should be in, in the deferred contracts that should be fairly supportive, but we'll see how the trade treats it because it's just been tough to find anything that excites this hog market. Overall, 
how do you feel? Dead. It was, it was one of the quietest weeks that we've had in a long time. It was almost as though the big money traders checked out before the week even started. And so it, it's hard to, hard to get a feel when the volume's that low. All in all, I would say, you know, the grains are struggling. There's no doubt. I mean, March corn finishes the week a dime lower. Jan beans finish the week 16 cents lower. Cattle are a little lower. Hogs are a little lower. There, there was a heavy undertone, especially with uh, <clears throat> crude oil trying to make some kind of a rally, which should be supportive. Didn't really move the needle. Dollar was quite a bit lower this week. Should see some kind of a rally out of that. Didn't move the needle. So I, I kind of wonder if we're not just going to see position squaring into the end of the year, which would be the end of next week. And then maybe we'll be looking at a new market after we flip the calendar. All right. That'll do it for this episode. Merry Christmas. Enjoy this three-day holiday. Stay out of trouble. Hopefully Santa will visit you. Yeah. yeah Merry <laughs> Christmas, everyone. I'm headed to Bourbon Street. so Santa's not visiting you. <laughs> for a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at Comstock.com or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits. Futures trading involves risk. The risk of loss in trading futures and or options is substantial, and each investor and or trader must consider whether this is a suitable investment. Past performance is not indicative of future results.